Hi. Welcome to Free Failing. My name is Jenny Fraze, and this is the podcast where we talk about things that make us feel weird or isolated and try to connect with other people about those said things in an effort to show that we're not all quite as terminal unique as we think we are. Today, we're talking to my good friend, Megan Williams. Megan is a returning guest to the pod. She's one of my best friends. She is an aspiring harpist, a longtime writer, a meditation teacher, a yoga instructor, and just very magical and brings just a wonderful energy to this conversation. We are today talking about being child-free and single, especially being women over a certain age, and the stigma that comes with that just from society and why it's an important conversation. More and more people, men and women, are choosing not to have children, and there's still just a large subset of society that responds to that choice with pity and shame. And I just think it's time to change that narrative up and make this more of a common conversation because it's happening more and more for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into in this conversation. All the stats from today are in the show notes. This episode does go a little bit long and... In true Jenny and Megan fashion, we tend to get off topic a little bit, but I think all the roads that we take in the conversation ultimately lead us back to the underlying issue of being child-free and or single as a woman is wildly stigmatized. You can follow me on Instagram at freefailing. And if you have your own story that you want to share, shoot me an email. My email is jen.freefailing at gmail.com. And otherwise, please enjoy the Child Free by Choice episode. Today, we're going to talk about a stigma we're very familiar with, and that is the stigma of being 30-ish, 40-ish. I guess we'll both disclose our age um, and unmarried and or single oh. only with no children. Oh, the shame. How could we have allowed ourselves to get to this terrible place? I feel like I should like do this in disguise. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so shameful. That we do not have um, two and a half children and a white picket fence. So yes. So let's run through some stats really quick before we start chatting. The numbers are going up of people like us. Forty-four percent of non-parents age eighteen to forty-nine in the U.S. say they are unlikely to ever have children. That's from a Pew Research survey in twenty twenty-one. And there's a wide range of reasons for that. So medical was one of the number ones, medical and financial. Um, That makes sense, especially given the current economic climate. A hundred percent. Right. It's from 2021. (laughs) So that makes sense, right? Because people are like just, Yeah. yeah. And their age or their partner's age, it's relatable to me. And then the state of the world is something that people cite a lot. Environmental reasons like climate change, things like that. They just aren't really interested in bringing children into the party. Um, That was my last boyfriend. Um, That was his reason for not wanting to have kids because he didn't want to bring a child into the world the way it is now. Right. Yes. And I see that a lot on social and things like that. 50%, this is from the U.S. Census Bureau, 50% of all U.S. adults are single. For the purpose of that survey, single meant unmarried, divorced, or widowed. So that's 127 million unmarried people. I feel so much better now already. Like, I'm so glad you invited me on. I felt better reading it. I had to source it. really? Yeah, it's helpful. I had to source it from like three different places because I was like... Really? Like that's a lot of people. But that means- And it never feels that way though. I know. It always feels like you are terminally unique <laughs> and you are the only one totally. that is without child, without husband, 100%. without normalcy. Normalcy. Right. So this leads me to my first question, which is are 
Well, first of all, are you comfortable disclosing your age? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm 44. Okay. I'm 44 (laughs) too for the folks. So, and for all of you who think that we don't look 44, make sure you post that in the comments because it's really helpful for us to hear that. I mean, <laughs> I'll take all the external validation. I don't care. I'm not, no shame at all. Um, okay. And so, in your extended friend group, do you know other people without children in our age group? I now know one person who is without child, but she's married and they chose not to have children. Okay. But everybody, no, I'm sorry. I know two people who are married without children. Um, one of them, she wanted children, but her husband at the time had a terminal diagnosis. And so it was not something right. that was, sure, you know, a feasible option for them. And now she's remarried, but she's on the upper side of 40. So it's not kind of missed her window. The other um, girl that I know, she has been married for 20 years and they just knew at the very beginning, they did not want to have children. Interesting. Yeah. And they said, you know, according to her, they continue to reaffirm that fact. Like she said, they were at nephew's birthday party the other day and he was just turning two years old and there were like thousands of screaming children all over the place. Her husband literally pulled her outside and was like, I just want you to know that I'm very happy with our life choices. (laughs) There is no other birth control than a two year old's two year old's birthday party. (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna say a whole bunch of things through this that I'm not supposed to say and I don't care. Um, Okay, so I also know two people. Okay. One person is childless by choice. She's a little bit younger than us, but she is partnered and her and her partner have no interest in having children. They have a very fulfilling life. I think she's been to maybe like 30 different countries over this time wow. of yeah, over the span that I've known her. Yeah, she's she's very well-rounded and really of really fulfilled. Um wow. She should give lessons. Yeah, for her. she's no, she's great. <laughs> did you? Because I, I did. I sort of thought when I was in my twenties, maybe that once I like got it together, I would definitely have kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious if how, kind of how your narrative went, if you felt that way, and then as the like twenty, thirty, forties decades have gone on, how you felt that. It changing if it did or not. I don't, you know, however that went for you. When I was younger, I always felt like I wanted children. And the irony of it is when I was growing up, that was very much an expectation that was placed on me right. by my mother, both very intentionally and even subliminally a little bit. Like we, you know, go out. I think we went to a doctor's appointment one time and my doctor was like, oh, you know, she's, her muscular structure at this age is so well-defined. Like she could be an athlete. She could be this, that. And my mom was like, oh, no, no. This is her lifetime to get married and have babies. And so I had this narrative wow. running in my head like this. And she had said this multiple times. to diff- Like she would just kind of answer that question for me. And so I don't really feel like I was ever at choice point with it, so to speak. It was always kind of an underlying expectation. Wow. And um, then when I was like 26, I was with my boyfriend at the time and his mom and I were out at, if for those of you that are from Texas, you might know this, this very, very East Texas like event that they have called First Monday. And it's this big antique fest. I mean, women show up in gloves, digging through like antique silverware, trying to find all of their pieces. Wow. And so she and I were there and she introduced me to one of the vendors that she knew. She said, oh, this is my daughter-in-law. And she's like, oh my God, why did I say that? And she was like, well, it's about to happen anyways. And I was like, <gasps> I couldn't breathe. Like I was Hello, like, about to have a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my God, what, what is going on with me? You know, we get home and then I do what any normal 20 
seven, five, six-year-old would do at that stage, I go to the bar to contemplate Obviously. why I had this awful reaction. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Because <laughs> alcohol helps you clarify everything. Like nobody's business. And so what I decided is that at that stage in my life, I had already been so responsible in so many ways for my mom that I never really felt like I had a life of my own. And the thought of having someone else that depended on me was just a very unmanageable experience for me at that time. Right. And so I just figured I'd get there eventually, but I just knew I wasn't there now. And then when I was in my late 30s, my boyfriend and I did try to have children and we weren't able to. And the relationship kind of dissolved shortly after that. And I just never really had the opportunity again. I had so many people that were like, well, if you want a child, you should just go and get IVF. But that was one of my hard no's. Like, I do not want to be a single mom raising a child because I went through that and I know how challenging that is. And I I really, if I was going to go down that path, I wanted my child to have a stable family unit. Right. You mean by went through that, you mean as the, as the daughter of a single parent. Yeah. As the parent. Yeah. If I was going to choose to bring a child into the world, I wanted to bring a child into a very solid, stable family and not have to go through all of the stuff that I went through on the flip side of that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Gosh, our stories are really quite similar, except I don't really know if I had so much of the pressure like to have kids. I mean, one thing is that my siblings are, our ages are spread out. So my older sister is 12 years older than me. So by the time I was in like a serious relationship in my 20s, my older sister wasn't having kids, right? So I did start feeling pressure. But what I really remember is when I decided not to have kids, I was already with my ex-husband. We were already living together. And we decided he was um, nine years older than me. And in the beginning, we thought maybe, and I, I don't really know how it happened. We sort of just grew together. And over the course of a few years, we traveled a little bit and we just were enjoying our life. Here's a better way to describe it. I didn't 100% want to have children. And I coming from a mom, which I felt like she wasn't really 100% invested in my childhood. And that's a very generous statement. I wanted to make sure that I was 100, right? And anything less. And I felt like I probably shouldn't do it then. I'm probably going to do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so ultimately we just decided, um, no, but anyway, I remember calling, I remember specifically being on the phone with my mom and my mom wailing, not crying, but like, but you always said, and you always said you would, and that you wanted to. And it was like this whole guilt thing. And It's like seared into my memory, like where I was sitting during the phone call, you know, and this was way before boundaries, of course, like your story perfectly. Same thing. Like I didn't know to say I'm not living my life for you personally, like surprise. Um, It actually is my decision. Right. Like (laughs) shocking news. But yeah, but I do remember there was a lot of guilt from her associated with that decision. I guess I get it because I hear people on other podcasts or wherever who talk about how joyous it is to be a grandparent and how it's so much different from having your own parents. So like, I understand that maybe you really want that for yourself, but. Well, I also think that there's just a level of it's, it's so ingrained in society's projection of normalcy for people to have babies and, and, keep reproducing and evolving the species that when that doesn't happen, I think not only do we feel a fail- failure, but our parents probably feel that way too. Oh, like, that's such why a good point. Raise them right? That's such a good you know? point, right? What's wrong with her? What did you do? Why didn't you tell her the, how important this was? Like, oh, how really? did you misparent her to get her to this stage where she doesn't want to do that? And so I think there's just a lot of shame on both sides of the equation and- I mean, I blame Disney. <laughs> Honestly. 
on, and the Hallmark Channel and all and the, the other. Channel. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we were growing up, you know, there was Blame nothing yourself. on TV. There was nothing in any of our shows that we watched that, that normalized that experience for right. us. Every, every show, every sitcom, I mean, maybe towards the time we were like 12, 13, then, oh, well, let's have shows with single parents, you know, let's right. kind of, but before it just, it wasn't even a thing. And so I feel like both sides of the equation have a little bit of contraction around that because it's, it's just not normal. And if it's not normal, it must be wrong. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, again, going back to like, I didn't really think about it from the standpoint of, hey, how did you like mess your kid up so bad that their priorities are so incorrect from a like society standpoint? And when I thought about having kids, I was in a wildly toxic relationship. I'm ultimately really glad that that relationship did not produce children because it would not have been a good life for me, for them, for the partner, mm-hmm. for anyone. So I'm ultimately glad it worked out that way. But I think, yeah, going back to the society expectation, have you heard or been told, like, what are some of the things that people have told you? Like, for example, I heard a lot because like I would bartend. And so people would always ask me like, as I'm like meeting people or whatever, oh my gosh, you don't have kids. Like, well, you will, you'll want to, you'll change your mind. Yeah. Right. And like, I think that narrative is changing, but like, do you relate to that? Do people have people said that to you? Do people still say that to you or what are, I, yeah, I always feel like the, Energy I get, emotion I get from people most often is a little bit of pity. Like, oh, wow, we feel so sorry. That's, I'm so sorry. You know, that's right. And I don't know if that's me projecting. I I can't validate that in any way, shape, or form, obviously. But that does feel like what, because, you know, they talk and they talk and everybody, you know, exchanging pleasantries and, you know, then all of a sudden, oh, well, do you have kids? No, that. It's like the, it's like the mic, like record scratch, mic drop. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it just, I mean, the tone just completely changes and you, and and then just as a very, you know, sensitive individual that picks up on that stuff pretty easily, that reinforces my, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. Wrong. Clearly I'm doing something wrong. Right. Right. (laughs) So. But again, I don't think it's necessarily anything they're even conscious of. I just think it's so programmed in our psyche that that is what normal totally. is. I mean, it's a it's a biological urge. You know, I don't and the the people I know that don't have children, including myself, mm-hmm. I think everyone went through the phase where they felt like they needed to or they wanted to or they For were sure. supposed to or sure. let's just try because we don't want to miss out on it. you know there there is so many levels of that ingrained in the human species just from an evolution perspective that I think it just it never passes through anyone's consciousness as normal. Right, no one's saying it to be hurtful. It's just mm-hmm. the norm. And I think that that's a really good point that you say about like, oh, missing out on things because I'm very happy with my current life. If somebody were to now at this stage, give me like a, oh, sad face, how, you know, I would probably say, don't feel bad for me. I love time and money. You know what I mean? I love free yeah. time and I love my, yeah. like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's okay. I'm doing all right. But on the flip side, I know that there's a lot of really amazing organic moments and days and things that happen with children. And so that makes, I would say holidays a little bit like I'm really sensitive to, and I sort of can feel things other people are feeling. So I do see a lot of like really special moments because people do share a lot more special moments than we didn't used to have like a front row seat to people's like Christmas morning. Right. And so now we do. And it's like, of course, that's super special. And I see people take their kids to Disneyland for the first time. And I remember going to Disneyland for the first time or whatever it is. So it's like, 
yes, I do really enjoy my life at this stage. And, oh, I would love to make an Easter basket for a little mini me or whatever and experience things like that. But that's what our, that's what our nieces and nephews, even through our friend circle or biological or whatever are, are for. And the one person that I know that doesn't have children by choice is like an extremely active person in her friend's kids' lives. I know that you are too, because you're close uh-huh. to our, you know, some of our our best friends with children. So I do hope that that whole shame pity party upon hearing that starts to drop down. And I think it will, because I think that Gen Z is going to be one of our first generations that we start to see that doesn't follow the normal, like the normal. Yeah. Right. I mean, I honestly feel like the narrative should be, wow, like, thank you. Thank you for blazing a trail because it's not easy. You know, there's a lot about that experience of being so different and all, you know, wondering, well, maybe I am missing out on something, right? You know, there's a lot about that that is challenging. And, you know, for people that, either chose not to have children or couldn't have children or, you know, whatever the case may be, they are blazing a trail for all the people to walk right. this path in a manner that is much more comfortable in the future. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So I feel like when someone says that, there should be an element of like, oh, you know, that's courageous. Good for you. Right. Like, however it shows up for you. I'm, I appreciate you, you know, doing that so that my daughter has an option exactly. and it doesn't seem like a forced experience right. for her. So she has role models to look at and say yeah. there she's doing just great with whatever her pursuit is, even though it doesn't involve children. So less on the part of having children and more on the part of being single. How do you feel about living alone and being single? Like broad question, but like. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. I would rather be in no relationship than be in a bad relationship. Right. So if, I mean, my preference, obviously I would love to have someone to do life. With. You know, that sounds like fun to me. Yeah. I would love to have that opportunity, sure. but I want it to be because it's a healthy and fulfilling and evolutionary experience for both of us, not because I just don't want to be alone. Right. I mean, yeah. Do you I, think- there's, there's an element of that, which I also will be very clear and truthful about the fact that I have a tremendous amount of compassion around the people that are having this challenge because I fully understand it. It's not easy being single. Right. It's not easy being alone. Right, right, it's right. not easy not having someone to mirror experience back to you and create right. that level of safety and validation. Right. But it's also can be very dangerous and detrimental to both parties to be in a relationship just because you don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, Do you think that that has, you've become or had a little bit more acceptance around that as you've become more self-aware, like as you've done work and gotten older? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it has, it requires again, blazing a trail. (laughs) It requires a tremendous amount of initiative and courage, in my opinion, you know, to go and and create a sustainable life for yourself as a single person. Like, Go to ballet classes, right. take heart lessons, right. do things that fulfill you. And so you're not depending on someone else to fill that bucket for you. And then when you do get in a relationship, you both have the capacity to be self-sufficient. And so you can really enjoy that partnership right. you're too from old. a place of just desire to be together versus need. Right. right. Versus, hey, I'm counting on you to make me happy. I wasn't happy living alone. So now I'm going to live with you. And I hope that that like sums it up and tied like ties it up with a nice little bow. And yeah, like back to the ballet lessons and the harp lessons, that was like one of the things that I figured out. So like in my mid thirties, like right after we decided not to have kids, I started taking horseback riding lessons because I had, 
Because I had always wanted to. And it was really, really fun. It was really hard. It was really fun. And, you know, I've kind of dabbled in a few things. Like over COVID, I started like getting back into photography and I made this mental health blog and now I'm doing this podcast. And you started and, playing guitar. And Yeah. And I'm like learning how to golf right now, even though that's going very slowly and is really, really <laughs> hard. But I just think that these are good examples of A, things we would not probably be able to do with kids or and or things that we can like do comfortably on our own, which just help nurture that individuality, that self-validation, that Mm self-awareness so that when, like you said, we do are in a partnership, it's like two – because I've been in that relationship where I'm like, listen, on the weekends, we're going to do things together because like you're my source of – yeah. All of it. Ticket off. Validation, yeah. entertainment, all. So, yeah. So I think that is a really healthy way to look at living alone. And plus, it's just a magical time. My cousin my cousin I mean, told me that one time. <laughs> living by, like, do never take living by yourself for granted. It is a magical time. It is magical. And, it is. and I also feel like it's, for some people, I feel like it's necessary. You know, I feel like some people require more autonomy than other people. Like I will say of all the relationships that I know about and that are successful, they are successful because they have space. Yeah. Right. There's an element of space in that relationship that makes it a very manageable experience for both parties. Cause nobody likes being overshadowed and nobody likes feeling like they're responsible for someone else's experience yeah. of life. And right. so I feel like the space creates a lot of opportunity for expansion versus no space. And there's always just an element of contraction. Right. And I also think that for people that, you know, and I, I kind of put you and I both mm-hmm. in this bucket and I hope you don't mind me sure. speaking for you, but, oh, um, people that had formative years that were challenging, that created an element of low self-esteem and lack of self-sufficiency and lack of capacity to self-soothe and and all the things. I think that those people, they need the opportunity to do that for themselves, to be a whole, you know, and functional human being. it's a blessing to be able to find your way through that and get on the other side of it. And then just have the grace that comes from knowing that you can do it on your own. I couldn't agree more. It's the most empowering thing I've ever done for myself, hands down and the hardest and the hardest. For sure. Those first few six months, year, it's like panic attack inducing hard. Oh my. It's so yeah. hard. And then you're looking at, it's like comparative suffering all the time because you're <laughs> looking at all your friends and social media right. and you're like, I'm the only one. I right. know it. <laughs> and I make that joke all the time and I'm sure you've heard it. It's like the happy, the Instagram problem of happy plaid families, which yeah. no shade to anybody in their photo shoot. I've been in a happy plaid family photo shoot. I get it. But it does... It is a very small snapshot window in, but that's all we see. And so it is hard when you are that person home alone with your cat or home alone with your dog or whatever it is. (laughs) It's just huge FOMO is what it is. I must be missing out because, you know, and we talked about this before, how like wedding culture is getting pretty out of control, but I will be very honest and say that Instagram weddings give me a lot of FOMO and that's that's it working. That's how it's exactly how it's supposed to work. Like you're supposed to feel that way. And going back to the kids thing, when you were talking about the congratulatory alternative to, Hey, I don't have children. Good for you. Way to blaze a trail. Right. And I think that that also speaks to, I'm trying to break the generational trauma that has been prevalent in my own history, great grandparents, grandparents, parents. Right. And I, I think that it does speak to someone's strength and it's not a moment for like 
don't feel sorry for me. I had all this work to do on myself. This is the kind of upbringing that I had. I did not want to bring that into another human so that they would then have to also break their own cycle. Right. If you're the one that chooses to end the generational trauma, that's, that's a lot of generational trauma you are personally moving through. So it's going to be a pretty uncomfortable experience in order to neutralize all that charge that has existed in your lineage for generations. Like it all ends with you. You're holding all of it. So you have to move through it, work through it and neutralize it, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of grace. It's not a path that's meant for everyone, obviously. And, you know, it has its own challenges that come with it, but it's definitely not a path to be pity, you know, by any I mean, seriously, seriously. Yeah. And I, I do hope yeah. that that initial reaction starts phasing out. So this is a, again, here we go with the, I'm going to say something I'm not supposed to say, but <laughs> 90%, of everyone I know with kids has at some point in a roundabout or very direct way told me, you're so lucky you didn't have kids. Yeah. Uh, with, and like my ex used to go like weekly and he would play basketball with all of his friends and every single one of them had children and all of them were wildly jealous openly. They would just be like, I can't believe you just don't have to like go home. Like I get it that it's a lot more challenging when kids are young and stuff. And that I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm not here, not judging. I'm not right. But I think that there is an element where. Like I was looking it up earlier. How many pregnancies are unintentional? Unintentional. It's about half. Mm-hmm. It's about half. Half of people are out there like specifically trying to make this type of life for themselves. And 50% are like, oh, hey, we're going to have this type of life, I guess. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. here's a stick. I guess this is what's happening for the next 20 years. I should clarify that the 50%, I think it was like 44%. I'm going to have all the statistics in the show notes, but it also does include like victims of sexual assault and, you know, so things like that, but it's still, it's a high number. There's two reasons I decided like late twenties, early thirties, I was sort of deciding not to I was like sort of leaning farther away from, I definitely want to have kids because I've been told my whole life that's what I'm supposed to do. And two things really moved my needle. One was I'm an older sister. My little sister's three years younger than me. We were really close growing up. And so we both got to be drinking age and we would go to bars and I would just like glue her to my side, you know? (laughs) And I just started to realize like I, Really, it was fear. I was so frightened by how much love and just how terrifying it was, the thought of something happening to her, that that made me start to think, I don't think I'm capable or have the capacity or the desire to love another human in this maternal way and then be responsible for every, just have my whole heart walking outside of my body for like a few three, four decades. Like, I just, yeah. I don't think I have that capacity. And, um, and that is what it's like. I mean, I've, I've and we've seen it. say that. Yeah. That it, it really is like having your heart live outside of you. Right. I, and I, I see it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We that's, see it with our friends. I definitely yeah. see it with a lot of my friends. And yeah. the other reason is going to be a little bit more like, I don't know if controversial is the right word and maybe we'll cut this, but this is a real, this was a really strong reason for me. So in my twenties, I was in a five-year toxic relationship and by toxic, I mean wildly abusive. And that person put, I watched him put his parents through like literal hell way long after even we, I left. It's not my story to tell, so I won't say, but I always, reflected on that as I got further and further away from that relationship, because for all intents and purposes, this person had like supportive and loving parents. Like, yeah, one of the, okay. So the, you know, one of the parents traveled a lot and what, but for the most part, especially from like my lens, 
I'm like, you had it good, dude. Like you had it good. And I mean, I hate to just say that it all is all based out of fear, but again, I was really terrified like that you can do everything and it can still, yeah. And like, you could still wind up like needing to put up cameras in your own home. So your kid doesn't steal from you and like, go, I just, yeah, it's so true. It is so true. You never know. You never know. And I feel like that's also was one of my challenges around children, not necessarily in that same capacity, but my mom and I have a very, very close relationship. It's actually no stretch of the imagination to say it's probably too close in some ways. You know, there's a lot of enmeshment going on there and we have our own challenges that we have to deal with when it comes to that. But I feel like my expectation around my relationship with my children was very skewed as far as it's showing up exactly. Like I was expecting a child that showed up for me the way I showed up for my mom. Oh my gosh. Excellent point. And so what would I do if I didn't get that? Right. And there was, there was a very authentic, truthful part of me that knew that I, I would not handle that very well. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's my baseline. That's my foundation. That's what I view as a normal child, mother, daughter, mother, son relationship. And if that did not show up in that same way, which just by universal principle, because I had an expectation for it to show up that way, it probably would not. Right. Right. And so that would be a very tough pill for me to swallow. And I just didn't, I didn't know how well I do that. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point. Even all of this self-awareness around all the reasons why I was probably on some level okay with not having children, I still have gone through periods where I just felt like it's almost like I felt like I was doing something wrong by not doing it. Me too. You know, our girlfriends here can attest to this just recently you know, I have gone through this with them where I just, I don't know, I feel like somehow I did something wrong or I'm not worthy or all these emotions around why could it possibly not be meant for me to have a little child to love? And one of our friends was very kind to point out the fact that maybe it wouldn't turn out that way. You know, and that's where I, what was my first like, Oh my God. I never even, cause in my mind, the whole time I'm thinking they would love me the way I love my mom and I would right, love right, them, right. The way that yeah. she, you know, and this is like, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. And right. then someone was like, well, it might not be that way. And how whole, well would you do with that? And it was whole like independent. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think I do well with that at all. No, it's <laughs> a whole human with their own personality and their own. Yeah. I imagine you've heard this before because I definitely have a lot heard, well, who's going to take care of you? Aren't you worried yes. that who's going to take care of you? Who's, who's going to take care of you? Very and good question. <laughs> when I, right. And when I first started going to therapy in like 2013, I ran that by my therapist. So my therapist at the time was a mom of three boys who were adults. Her response to that was, I would never put my kids in a position to take care of me. Now, for reference, she was really talking about more like in the case where we were discussing it in therapy, she was talking about financially. Obviously, there's a lot of dynamics and layers and relationships and especially child-parent relationships. But that was always really powerful for me to hear because I think that there is a societal expectation that as a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old, you as a fully formed adult with your own family, probably in whatever capacity your family looks like, are going to put your whole life on hold and start caring for your parents. And there's actually cultures where that is the expectation. There is, right. That, That is what they do. And I read a lot. I'm in the aging parents subreddit because I was in there for many years before my dad passed away, just trying to get some sense of like connection and relatability. Like, this is so hard. Is it this hard for everyone else? Oh my gosh. And a lot of people say 
it's incredibly difficult to balance that and that they kind of wish that they weren't in the position of having to do that. Yeah. Um, and it is right. I don't really know where I'm going with that, except to say that I just, I don't think that that reason can be the reason. Yeah, no, and it's not fair for it to it's be. It's not the fair. It's I mean, not that's fair a at really all. that's a lot of expectation to put on a little human being that you haven't even that hasn't even come into being yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, and and I also think that a lot of times it doesn't even happen. I mean, there are plenty of people out there. I have my landlady is eighty six years old, and she's got kids, and neither one of them take care of her. There's plenty of people out there that have had children that, like you just gave the example, regardless if it was a steady, safe, loving household, there's not that reciprocation for whatever reason. I don't want to speak for other people, but I think there is a strong tendency to run on the assumption that having children will make your old age easier on you. Right. Right. Which again, not a fair expectation. And also in some cases, not even a realistic one. Yeah. No, I agree. It kind of goes into that same boat of like parents trying to live out their dreams through their children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, you're not interested in singing and dancing, but too bad. That's what you're going to do for 10 years because I was supposed to do that and I yeah. missed my calling. Yeah. And that's definitely so there's a lot of that going on too. Yeah. But I do also think that there's a magic with children that you really can't get anywhere else. It's, it's yeah. just magical, you know? It is, and that's the best that word for it. I feel like that's the reason to have them, right? Because right. you want to hold space for that magic and let it yeah. grow and let it for manifest sure. into all that it can be and more, right? Yeah. But I also think too, you know, that the women that do not have children, and, and you know, there's a lot of women out there that just don't really have that maternal instinct. But for some women that have that maternal instinct and that for whatever reason is not their path, I mean, to your point, there's other ways to do it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Our friends' kids, through our pets, through our parents, through, I mean, there's lots of different ways to love and nurture. And, you know, it's it doesn't mean that just because you don't have your own little mini to do it with, that you can't find other avenues to make that happen. For sure. You, you have know? more time to be part of your community, present yeah, with your neighbors, present with, and- yeah, everything. Yeah. I'll going to the magic thing. So I could not agree more. And one of our mutual friends, I was visiting like a long time ago. I was either like going through a breakup or maybe I had just got divorced. I'm trying to remember how old she was, but anyway, I was asleep in the guest room and it was like 4.30 or 5 in the morning or something. And I like woke up for no reason. Like I must have heard something or for whatever. And I just like opened my eyes and my friend's daughter was just standing in the guest room, just kind of looking <laughs> at me, but like not in a, it didn't scare not me or anything. Yeah. It, just, it didn't scare me or anything. She was just kind of looking at me and she said something, she like, like reached out to like hold my hand or something. And she was like, something like, are you Okay. Like, or are you sad or just like something like that? And so, so magic. Like I barely really even knew her at that point, but I do, I do gravitate towards her. She's like, maybe like my, you know, I don't want to call favorites, but anyway, it really showed me a different level of like energy and how in tune, especially like little kids. I think there's some spot between like three and seven where they're just like, yeah, Magic. I, yeah, I know we keep saying is. that word, it's but there's totally really magic. no other word. And I, I always remember that that happened, you know, and I know there was this one time, one of our other friends, not the friend that you're tar- talking about. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> um, one of our other friends, she was having like, I, I guess it was Christmas or Thanksgiving. We went over to her house and this is when her daughter was still pretty young. And she, her daughter and I had this very just strong connection right. we always have. And so I walked in and she just was like, Megan, and she just ran up and hugged me. And everybody's like, well, why don't we get this? Right. Kind of 
you know, reading. And I have never felt so special in my entire life. I was like, oh my God, you know, and then, you know, just, just having that, there's nothing that gives you that kind of fullness as having like another little innocent, beautiful, magical being that comes to you for comfort and just attention and love. Sure. I mean, it's just, it just makes And they heart. trust you. They it's trust so, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's major. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, and that's how we like wind up spoiling them to pieces because well, we're that's like, our job. <laughs> what do you want? Just take it. I don't yeah. care. I just have it like on my closet. I don't, whatever yeah. it is, just go in there. Yeah. And it's um, fun. I mean, the same little it's girl so fun. just went to her first Taylor Swift concert and right. her mom isn't like a super blingy girl. And so I was like, okay, we're going to bring you some bling. So I like got my Kendra Scott earrings and all this stuff and nice. brought them over to her. She oh, was how so cute. Excited. Oh, how cute. Yeah. And so there's, there is, there's just, there's a magic with children and of course, it's obviously it's not always this way. We're looking at it from the no, outside of, of the equation. Right. I'm sure there's sure, plenty sure. of times they're not magical 100%. at all. But yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like any woman that has a natural maternal instinct, it would just be very weird if she didn't go through that experience sure. of, well, maybe I should, maybe I, I don't know. I'm missing. I mean, there's just, there's such a draw to it, a yeah. natural gravitational pull to it because it is so magical. Yeah. I've definitely known people who like, since they were like fifth grade, fourth grade, whatever, like I'm going to be a mom, right? That's oh, their yeah. Point. Yeah. And, it's, and they and would write there. They already knew their kids' mm-hmm. names. They did. Like, that was yep. never me. I was, was never, never that me either. person. Nope. I was but more yeah. like writing my name and then my last name with like, the boy in class yeah. who's like, I had a crush on, you know, I was more like writing that yeah. over and over, but no. Oh, like- you know what? That reminds me. I feel like this is a good point too. This is something that my therapist helped me with because I was having a lot of trouble recently with not having children and, and not really feeling like I 1000% made that choice. Right. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of a choice made that for you. that's how it worked out. Yeah. But What she helped me understand as well that I thought was very helpful is my bottom line when it came to starting a family, kind of like what I said in the beginning was I wanted it to be a family unit. I wanted, you know, a husband or a partner that was going to be very present and emotionally available and be able to provide a level of security and stability Right. that I never had right, right, you know, right. from my father growing up. Right. And so there's this element of, she even said, she's like, there are plenty of people that will go out there and have kids just because they want to have a child that that's all they want. They don't want anything more than that. You know, you want a child and a very healthy, stable family unit to bring them right. into the world through. And so She was like, this is not a choice that is being made for you. This is a choice you're making. She's like, I'm assuming you could have had plenty of opportunities to have children. And it's true. I could have. I I could have had children probably four or five times at this point. Same, same. same. And I had plenty of people. I was blessed enough to have people that were wanting to go down that path with me, but I didn't feel like it was a sustainable option for me long-term. And I didn't want to do that to the child. And so she helped me reframe my experience of, the victimization that tends to come with, I wasn't able to have children and show me that this was actually very much a choice that I continued to make year after year after year throughout all the opportunities I had dating in my childbearing years. I mean, 44, technically you still could, but I don't know if I could physically, emotionally, energetically go through all the things that it takes to oh, have God, no. a child at this point. hundred percent. No, <laughs> I mean, no, good for your therapist. Yeah. Good no. So I feel like that was very yeah, helpful. Right. And it's like reframing. It really kind of comes back to negative self-talk, right? right? When it comes to having to deal with this stigma and it is very much still a stigma, Big time. you Big know, time. really helpful 
to have conversations about it. Talk to people, but talk to your friends, talk to your therapist. Like it's important to give that a voice because it's not easy. It's very hard. And there are a lot of emotions and feelings that can very easily and often come with it. Adding to that, there's a lot of child-free accounts on Instagram that are really inspirational, that are really like connective, very like helpful. If you are somebody who is in your late 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it is, you and your partner have decided to remain child-free. There's a lot of support out there. And honestly, it's just being being unmarried and or being child-free is completely gaining traction. People are starting to figure out, I don't want to say like the jig is up, but like (laughs) people are starting to figure out it's not like the fifties white picket fence dream that we have had it. Yeah. Yeah. We've had had been led to believe that it is. And I think we've all learned that through our own shared experiences. And certainly my experiences of watching my friends who are a lot of the times really struggling. It's really hard work. It's it really, hard really hard work. They think and it's, it's hard work to be alone too. I mean, there's no easy path. Totally. Right? Yeah, right. No one is not just because you don't take one route doesn't make it a picnic compared to yeah. another one. Yeah. Right. And there's not, I mean, but to that point, there's meetup groups too. Like I'm part of right. a meetup group that's like the one in seven or the one in five. I, I can't remember the stat, like oh, one in cool. five women are not able to have yeah. children. And- right. You know, so there's there is a lot of emotional support out there because for someone, if you're on the fence at all, it's probably not ever going to be an easy decision. It's still a choice, but it doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily an easy one. And so it is it is helpful to hold space for that and have other people hold space for you. I agree. All right. Well, I've taken up so much of your Saturday. Thank you for talking to me today. That was a really good conversation. Yeah, this is always so much fun. Thanks for listening. And Megan, thanks for being here. And we will talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.